Hi, I'm Dan Halliday, and I'm a philosopher at Melbourne Uni. And I'm Christian Barry, a philosopher at the Australian National University. Dialogues is a philosophy podcast with a bit of a difference. My case is a bit unusual. We actually get members of the public... I would really like to see Australians giving a fair go... ...to help us do the philosophy. We were on the housing waitlist for nearly four years. I, I wouldn't have anything, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure how... Oh, that's really hard. ...where you draw the line, where you say, like, that's not OK, but that is... In this episode, we're going to talk about parental partiality. That's really just a fancy way of talking about what parents can do for their kids. And we're joined today by Simon Keller. Hi, Christian. Hi, Dan. Great to be here. Great to have you here, Simon. Thanks for coming. Um, first up, we want to ask, you know, is it OK for parents who are cashed up to spend their money on sending their kids to private school and you know, give their kids a competitive advantage over the other kids whose parents haven't got the money and who have to rely on the, you know, the state-provided education? Hi, I'm Isabel. I'm 17 years old. I go to a public school and my younger brother goes to a private school. And I've had all these debates with my parents about it. Putting my brother in this private school, it's kind of take, almost taking away from the public system where my parents are like privileged enough to like donate money to schools. And it's like we're taking away from a public system where all kids can benefit and then I also think about, like, for example, houses and, like, if parents give their kids a loan and things like that, and is that necessarily fair? And to an extent, I kind of think, like, yeah, if your parents have got, you know, are able to help you, why not take this advantage if it's making your life easier? Like, what else are they, what else are they going to do with their money? Um, <laughs> but then on the other hand, it's like, well, there's all this other... Like, how is that fair on someone else who maybe they don't have parents or, like, or who can't support them? Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm 20 years old. If you think that they shouldn't be able to give me everything, that means that they have to spend all the money for themselves or share it amongst all the Australian population. And I don't like that. Personally, I've benefited a lot of my parents' love and connections and all that. So I'm inclined to say they should be able to give it to their children, but I'm also aware that lots of other children don't get that benefit. So maybe somewhere in the middle would be best. Okay, so one thing that I think needs to be you know taken seriously here is the fact that when parents make choices about their kids education it isn't just about conferring advantage on kids right i mean there's all sorts of other stuff going on yeah that's right and certainly a lot of the parents that i know who have made big sacrifices to send their kids to private schools aren't doing it because they want their kids to join an exclusive club and not to have to mix with the riffraff but rather because mm. they think that their kids have special needs that mm -hmm. they think can only be taken care of in a different educational setting. Yeah, or because they value something about education that they think their kid is more likely to get at a private school, whether it's learning Greek or, you know, getting more advanced in maths or, mm. I don't know, playing rugby. Yeah, at the same time, though, I mean, should even if it's true that parents are really just trying to send their kids because they want them to learn Greek, if by doing that they are conferring certain kinds of advantages on their kids that aren't shared by others. Is that really okay? I mean, does the fact that they're all, you know, they're not trying to give these advantages to these kids really make it okay that certain people, just because their parents are cashed up, get these advantages? Mm, yeah, I mean, Isabel emphasised this. There is, there is a fairness issue here. Even if people's intentions aren't to, you know, gain unfair advantage, unfair advantage is something that comes up. As is, I think Isabel also alluded to the way in which if you're taking kids out of state schools and putting them in elite schools that might you know that might be bad for everyone or to put it in reverse it, it might be something good about having an integrated society in which you know kids from different backgrounds yeah. mix and, and a school is a very you know very, a lot of potential for that to happen in schools right yeah it's one of those cases where i think 
which kind of hat you're wearing when you address this question makes such a big difference. So if you're the Minister of Education, then yeah, those are the sorts of things you should be thinking about, mm -hmm. being fair to everybody, making sure that people of all sorts of different demographic groups get access to a decent education. But then when you come home and you're just thinking about what's best for your child who's right there in front of you, you're probably not going to be moved by thoughts about fairness for mm, mm. people who you've never met far away. And if you were, you'd kind of be a weird parent, wouldn't mm. you? I wouldn't want my parents being motivated constantly by fairness. Mm. You know, maybe the fact that kids can be conferred these advantages by their parents is, is a good thing because it gives the parents all kinds of incentives to work hard and gain certain kinds of advantages. And these are advantages that don't just go back to them, but are to some extent shared by the society of large. What would it really mean if we really curtailed significantly the capacity of parents to confer these kinds of benefits to their children? Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely right. But I think it, there's also a, a question here about, well, can parents go too far in prioritising? You mentioned earlier that, you know, to get your kid into a private school, you as a parent might make heaps of sacrifices, right, just to raise the cash, right, and work really long hours. And then that might take you away from your kids. Yeah. Well, we'll take you away from your kids. And Matthew made the point that, you know, he benefited from his parents partly from the love that they gave him, right? But yeah. I, I suspect what he means is that they spent time with him and they did nice things with him. And, you know, perhaps surprisingly or not so surprisingly, that will actually help a, a child's development as well. Right? You know, reading bedtime stories to your kid. But um, you now's also a good time, I think, to step back a little bit and you know, recognise that this isn't just about education, right? There's these deeper questions about what what is this parent-child relationship in the first place, right? As a, as an ethical thing. Let's hear from some people about you know this this deeper aspect of it. Hi, I'm Vanessa, and I've just turned 20 years old. Um, my parents still see me as a little baby, I think, and they're. Um, they just have all these stories about me from when I was a toddler and they always tell people about them and I'm like, I don't remember who that is. I didn't really do anything to deserve their love and I think they treat me different because they've just put so much of their life into my life and they almost see themselves in me and I'm really lucky that I have both my parents to do that. Hi, I'm Isabel. I kind of had this kind of really awful thought the other day about like, oh, does my mum only love me just because I'm her daughter? Like, would it have been, if I was just, you know, someone else's daughter, would she or my parents, would I have loved my parents if they were any, just any other people or is it because of, they're just there <laughs> in a way and they're there to provide for me and that's just um, the situation we're in. Interesting. Yeah, one of the things that Isabel raises, the idea of whether children deserve the love and attention that mm. they get from their parents. How should we actually think about dessert in this kind of context? Yeah, I mean, one of the nice things about having parents who love you, though, is knowing that they're going to keep loving you even when you don't deserve it. Like, they started loving you before you'd done anything that would have made you earn their love. And you kind of know that, as kind of fearsome as it is to say, you could really screw up. You could do some stupid things, and you could actually even really hurt your parents, and they would still love you. So... Rightly or wrongly, one of the things that's kind of special and reassuring about the love of your parents is that they don't rely on you to do anything to deserve it. It's kind of interesting that at the same time, Isabel seemed to be almost unsettled by the idea that 
that you're not actually being loved for necessarily your your best qualities or your good qualities. You're kind of yeah. loved because you just happen to be there and their child, and you have this sort of history. Is that is that something that we should be worried about? And should parents kind of take that perspective to some extent, thinking about, you know, is this kid really so special that I should be conferring all this attention on them when I can recognize in some way when I step back that there are lots of other kids that have all sorts of other qualities which may even be superior to the qualities that my kids have? Well, that's a difficult question, isn't it? I mean, intuitively, I think, yeah, there's something maybe arbitrary about the, the parent-child relationship in that, you know, no one chose that it was these two people who were related in this way, right? But as Vanessa pointed out, you know, there's this, the bond gets formed because you know each other so well. And there's this, there's this shared history, right? It provides a foundation for something important. Yeah, I think the history is important, but it's also like, I mean, there are cases in which you'd think that parents would just be making a mistake, if they loved something as a child. Like, suppose it turned yeah. out that the thing they loved as a child was actually a mannequin or a statue or a, well, yeah. or a doll. That would be a mistake. Sounds like but, it. Yeah, but if you're loving a, you know, a human being who has a point of view and has interests and who has a, you know, a, a wheel and woe, as we might say, then there's at least something you're getting at when you love them, even if they don't in a sense, deserve the love as much as someone else does. Still, it's, you know, they're right there in front of you and they matter and you're kind of plugging into their value in a way that at least counts for something. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, sort of came up in Vanessa's comment as well is that sometimes the reason why parents have can have a unique set of feelings for children is that they can kind of understand and see these children as individuals, as unique individuals in a way that they can't see other people. And maybe there's a sense in which it's the the reason we can be loved by our parents is because they can know us best and know us in our entirety best yeah definitely that you know better than you can yourself like there are things that your parents know about you and can see in you as having developed since you were a child mm. that you're not aware of and sometimes that can translate into them kind of knowing what's good about you mm. or what's valuable about you in a way that you can't yourself and I think this probably begins to explain why parents are so important right why, why we trust parents to make a lot of decisions for kids because the parents know best, because they know the kid best, and that I think starts to provide a foundation for things like educational choice, you know, balanced against fairness, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so parents do so much for their kids and know their kids so well. I think this raises a question about well, what what's the kind of payback right for parents? What can they, what what can parents demand of their kids in return? Right? Um, people got some things to say about this as well. Hi, I'm Matthew. I think they have the right to interfere with my life. Like, considering how much they give to me, I feel like I can kind of give some back to them in terms of control. But I feel like that there doesn't need to be any kind of official regulation on that. It can be worked out in between the parents and the children. Uh, hi, I'm James. I'm 19 years old. My case is a bit unusual because um, I had one of my parents pass away semi-recently and I'm currently using a lot of the financial support that I got because of that. Uh, so you could say it's unconditional in that I am allowed to do more or less whatever I want with it. But you could also say that the condition is that I have one less parent now. But in general, if a child is continuously making mistakes and refusing to change and being exploitative, then I don't think that the support should be unconditional. And I, and I, and I don't think that that applies just to kids. I think that applies to just people in general. Yeah, so Matthew talked there about his parents interfering and wondering whether they have the right to interfere. 
And that does raise, I guess, an issue about our relationships with our parents, which is that as much as we love them, we also find it kind of frustrating and um, mm. infantilizing when they tell us what we ought to be studying or who we ought to be marrying or what mm. we ought to be wearing. Um, and that is a side of the parent-child relationship that I guess we haven't looked at so much, have we, the, the frustration that can, it can lead to. That's right. And in, I mean, so far, we've been pretty much idealising the whole thing. You know, parents are these great figures who make sacrifices and good decisions and give lots of love. But, you know, in the real world, it, yeah, some, for some of us, it goes that way. But in the real world, it's a highly fallible thing, right, the parent-child relationship. You know, there are some dreadful you know, instances of, you know, malfunction in this relationship. And then there's plenty of people who just have a sort of mediocre or, you know, not very valuable relationship with their folks. And often the two are mixed together, aren't they? You can have wonderful, loving parents but still need years of therapy in order to resolve your relationships (laughs) with them. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so maybe we should be thinking not just about, you know, what parents can be permitted to do for their children and what children can be permitted to do for their parents, but actually what the requirements are. Mm. Are there requirements, even in the absence of love? Because, of course, not all parental relationships mm. are really loving relationships at all. Mm. And certainly the state gets involved, doesn't it? You know, you can't, you can't abandon your child. Um, you're expected. No. I, in lots of country, it's now, countries, I think it's a matter of law now, if you're a child, that you have to look after your elderly parents. Um, yes. So we see certain duties within families, not just permissions, don't we? Yeah, and, and this is kind of an interesting thing in the context of when you talk about conditions... Right, because it seems that you know it would be wrong for parents to place certain kinds of conditions on their children, saying that, well, listen, you know, you're not going to get any food today unless you do something, <laughs> right? Um, but but where do where are the, the sort of the requirements end and the things that they can actually make conditional on certain things start? So is it, is it okay for parents to say, listen, you know, you can live here as, as long as you want, you know, but only if you go do a medical school degree, or you know, I'm not going to support this ridiculous philosophy fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one one yeah. view about all this is that look, we should we should look at what actually builds a valuable relationship. You know, that, that permits parents a certain amount of, well, well, discipline, for want of a better expression, over mm-hmm. the child when it's young. But, you know, when you start making demands of adult children, saying, oh, look, you, you're putting pressure on adult children to marry this person or study this or that at university, that looks like it's not really... Well, you want the relationship to become one of, you know, sort of equality, I think. Well, that is a definitely a, um, a cultural difference, though, between, yes. you know, the way that, you know, we sort of bourgeois liberals might live and the way that people do in other yourself. places. So, you know, yeah, I kind of think, like, the, the ideal outcome when I think about my relationship with my kids is that one day we'll just be friends and we'll just want to hang out. Yeah. But I remember saying this to a class once and um, the East Asian students just thought that was hilarious, the idea oh, really? that you could be friends with your parents or your children. Part of the challenge of being a parent, I think, is realising that... Um, your job in a way is to let go eventually Mm. and to allow your child to be autonomous and make their own decisions and also to make their own mistakes as you might see it Mm -hmm. and that's a um, one of the good things that you can do as a parent but also one of the things that makes being a good parent really tough you know we talk about parenting as though it just comes naturally you love your children you just do your best for them but actually Mm. You're constantly making ethical decisions. So when we think about parenting, we have to think about a few things then. We have to think about this ideal of sort of the willing, loving parent who wants to bequeath every advantage on their kid and think about what the limits are to that kind of partiality that they feel towards their offspring. And we also need to think about the other kinds of cases where there are certain obligations, at least with our society as it's it's set up, that parents have to confer certain things to their children Mm. so that they can actually let go of them in good conscience later on. Yeah, and when we talk about what parents are permitted to do, 
we're sort of talking about um, whether there should be any restrictions on the amount of love and maybe material benefits that they provide for their children. But when we talk about their requirements, we're talking about the duties of a parent, saying, look, these are the things you have to do for your child, but you don't have to do for other children. So they might be things like, you know, you have to make sure that your child is warm and nourished and so on, but the child down the street, that's not your responsibility. Dialogues is an Ethics Matters podcast. It was produced by Snodger Media and funded by a University of Melbourne Engagement Grant and the School of Philosophy at the ANU.